Hello, and uh, welcome to Crank It Comics. As always, I'm your host, Jake Mastro, and I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Keaton Byer. Hello, Keaton. Hello. How is it going? What was that? I don't know. <laughs> what was that? I was spicing it up. I say it the same way every time, so I figured I'd say it slightly differently. I mean, you gotta have some kind of consistency. <laughs> Gonna have what, sorry? Some kind of consistency. Yeah, well, you know, it, it's, it, you know, consistency is good, but, you know, monotony is not. Okay, I'm not sure what we're getting at here, but uh, today we're doing a movie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be a copyright issue for sure in a lot of a lot of ways. I'm, I'm sure we'll be fine. <laughs> What was I saying? What was I saying? What was I saying? So, uh, the movie that you, we are doing. You could probably guess at least. Well, I guess maybe not. Well, I mean, I, suppose, I don't know if you can. Yeah, to that's be what honest. I was going to say. That, that song is like used in so many things. Yeah. Well, this is a movie about the Beach Boys. Kind of. Kind of about the Beach Boys. Uh, yeah, they're in it. They're in it. Uh, you know. Uh, the movie is um, Love and Mercy, 2014 film. Uh, about the life of uh, Brian Wilson, a notable member of the Beach Boys. Notable member. I think he's more than just a notable member. I think he's the Beach Boys. I mean, yeah. It, just don't ask Mike Love. And then, yeah. <laughs> Everybody will. else will tell you he's, he's the Beach Boys. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Mike Love. Fuck Mike Love. Mike Love's mo- He's <laughs> He was in... The Beach Boys. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into the Mike Love hate later, but like, um, yeah, that that'll probably be, yeah, more <laughs> episode two. Yeah, but um, anyway, uh, this is sort of a biopic. Sort of. Uh, I mean, yeah. it is a biopic, but it's like it does things a little differently, uh, and. It stars John Cusack, Elizabeth Banks, and uh, Paul Dano. Yeah. Um, so should we give a little bit of a summary of the film, a little synopsis before we get into kind of our initial thoughts, and then we can really get into kind of the meat. We'll talk about, you know, production and all that. Yeah, sure. So well, uh, we're we won't get the... in, Actually, sorry, we won't get into production today. We're going to talk about production. Production is okay, going to be sure. more of a more of a next week thing, uh, right? But yeah. But um, anyway, so we're actually going to do the summary a little bit different today. So today, Keaton's going to give us a very nice summary, and we're going to time it. Yeah. So I'm going to get my my stopwatch out here. Yeah. And actual I'm going to I'm going to give Keaton you have. five minutes to summarize this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think it's not going to be an issue. I don't think uh, I don't think I'm going to have. Much of a problem, actually. Actually, pulling this off. Okay, you have five minutes, starting now. All right. So you have two. You're being told two stories simultaneously here. I forget which one starts first. Uh, I think it's the. I think it's the young Beach Boys. Yeah. Okay. So it opens. You know, you get you get a bunch of like Beach Boys footage to open the open the scene. You know, it's the Beach Boys. Beach Boys music. Uh, Brian Wilson's making music. Um, so the two kind of simultaneous storylines that we have here are 
uh, uh, young Brian Wilson kind of at the peak of Beach Boys' success as they move away from their kind of more basic surfery stuff into his uh, more epic pet sounds, uh, uh, extravagant arrangement more st- uh, type stuff. Um, and then the other storyline that you have is uh, 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 older Brian Wilson in the 80s um, under the uh, questionable, at first questionable, and then it evolves into downright nefarious uh, 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 psychotic uh, or rather uh, therapeutic um, guardianship of one uh, Dr. Landry, I believe. Um, So... Basically, uh, isn't it Landy? Is it Landy? Okay, whatever. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, you're right. It is Landy. Yeah. So, so basically, the uh, there are two storylines, um, as I said. But in the, it, so in the younger storyline, it follows kind of his uh, his unraveling, um, and then in the secondary storyline, it follows kind of his his coming back together almost at the hand of uh uh not i guess it is totally at the hand of uh what's her name uh what's her first name uh the actress or the character well elizabeth banks is the actress but uh melinda melinda, melinda ledbetter. ledbetter because they say that brian says it a million times yeah yeah melinda ledbetter um so she uh uh, uh kind of prize him from the clutches of of Landy or Paul Giamatti. So that's that's kind of those are the two storylines and there's a lot of kind of, you know, Okay, you're ups. halfway through. I'm only halfway through. I'm done. Uh there's there's kind of ups and downs, you know, in the earlier storyline, you know, you've got kind of the issues of like the 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 band is sort of uh, uh, uh it's kind of coming apart because Brian Wilson's like uh, kind of doing his own thing, you know. The his brothers don't really seem to care too much because one of them's just, you know, kind of, you know, puppy dogish, young and dumb, and then the other one seems to be just off doing drugs, hanging out with Charles Manson and all that. Um, and then, but then you have his cousin who's a little bit more involved. Uh, Mike uh, fucking love. Mike love, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so basically, what's going on here is that the band's kind of drifting apart. Oh yeah, and also you have you have. Brian Wilson's father, who who plays a big role in the in the in the uh, earlier story, because you find out that he he's been fired as their manager as the as the time of the film, um, so he's been fired as their manager, and he's a real dick who beat them, uh, and he sold the Beach Boys music for only seven hundred and ten grand or seven what something like that, which is actually true and such fucking nonsense. But anyway, we'll get into all that. Um, and then, so, and then in the second one, in the second one, you, that's all going on in the first one and he's going kind of crazy. He's, he's, he's falling kind of deeper into mental illness. And then in the second one, you've got, uh, Elizabeth Banks. Like I said, she pulls him out of it. It gets kind of worse before it gets better. Um, but yeah, it kind of ends like, well, the first storyline ends with him basically getting into bed because there's this legendary, you know, thing. Brian Wilson spent several years in bed. I think anyone who knows anything about Brian Wilson knows has heard that. So Isn't they, there a song about it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> anyway, so he goes into he, he that's kind of the end of the first storyline. Um, 
And then the end of the second storyline is sort of him, like, getting out of bed in a different way, sort of. Like, not the same bed, obviously, because it's 20 years later, but... Uh, he, 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 he gets better basically. And he, he, he gets back, he gets w- together with, with Ledbetter and, uh, as the, the movie would have you believe lives happily ever after and is still to this day making, uh, music and hanging around and being, a being, a uh, generally kind of, you know, weird guy. That's five minutes. Fucking nailed it. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you pretty much ended right on time. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was, that was pretty fun. Well done. Yeah. Okay. I think we'll do that again next time. This time you'll put me on the clock. Yeah. So uh, I'd say that's a that's a pretty accurate summary. Like, it's basically just you know his uh, the two stories, uh, different kinds of struggles. You know. Yeah. Exactly. And like kind of juxtaposing them. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about kind of our initial thoughts here. Um, the very first thing I want to mention is something that I'm not the only person who's brought this up. Um, but I did bring it up when I first saw this movie. I think I first saw this movie around when it came out. Um, but it's the fact that the guy who plays uh, 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 young Brian Wilson does not look anything like John Cusack. <laughs> and I well, think, I mean, does old Brian Wilson look anything like young Brian Wilson? Well, that's the that's the argument I think that yeah. is there to be made because I think a lot of people kind of miss I think the argument, pe- like people misinterpreted it, if you know what I mean. It, the it, into it being the argument that uh, neither he doesn't look like Brian Wilson, whereas the younger yeah. one does look like Brian Wilson. But I think yeah, the, the issue is that like. Neither of them actually look that much like Brian Wilson. It's just the younger one looks a bit more like younger Brian Wilson and his hair cuts a bit more, you know? Yeah, I have a quote from Brian Wilson uh, about John Cusack. Oh, yeah? Let's, okay, let's hear it. Uh, one second. Uh... Because I have a quote later on from, uh from John Cusack about Brian Wilson. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Brian said, we've seen some of the film. So far, so good. The guy who plays me, John Cusack, he's really good and he sings well. I think he might have met the other guy. (laughs) That's what I thought. But he specifically said John Cusack. I think he meant Um, Paul Dano. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, who knows? John Cusack sings in this movie. Well, maybe none of it made it into the final film. Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe he does do some singing. Good uh, point. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, I mean, I don't Brian know. Wilson. I would, Brian Wilson su- is not, as we will find out, not exactly the most reliable source on everything. Yeah, and I also <laughs> wouldn't be surprised if he didn't know who John Cusack was. Yeah, maybe. You know? Uh, um, <laughs> so that... Yeah. But anyway, uh, my other that we'll move down the list of my initial thoughts because I actually had a lot for this movie. Um, my 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 second one uh, is is the guy who gives him acid supposed to be Charles Manson? I didn't occur to me while I was watching the movie, but maybe because they 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 really this movie is extremely heavy with those kind of visual. And dialogue like references to like yeah, real oh life God. stuff, which at some <laughs> point it's a bit tedious. 
I mean, that's every biopic ever, but this movie does it too. <laughs> this movie does it like, yeah, it is true. It's every biopic ever, but it's, the, yeah, the, they do it too. Yeah, I thought that might have been Charles Manson. It, they looked like it, they might have been, that's a, that's a well-known thing, you know, that Dennis Wilson yeah. hung out with Charles Manson. I mean, seems reasonable. So, maybe it was supposed to be him. But he I noticed he was also at the dinner table in that scene. Yeah. When uh, Brian Wilson kind of has the, like, episode at the dinner table. And I kind of mm-hmm. find it hard to believe that, that Charles that Manson... He would have been, that, that Charles Manson would be over <laughs> at Brian's for dinner? Yeah, that he, like... Like, I sure, a party. I could see that. But, like, you know, this seemed, like, a little bit more intimate. Right. Anyway... This is a pointless speculation. I just, you know, I was curious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you so think? What, else you, what did I think? Um, so I'm going to give this movie A for effort. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's like I feel like it tried to do something like pretty cool with like the very tired genre of the biopic. Yeah. Um, however, I think that, you know, it kind of feels like two movies in one, one yeah. of which is a good movie and one of which is your standard biopic fare. <laughs> exactly. You're totally right. It does have both things going at once. and it's kinda... Like, I almost think this movie would be better if it was just the part in the 80s. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's true. Well, the part in the 60s is just kind of straight, like... Uh, like fun. It was like the section of Walk Hard where he is, where he's basically Brian Wilson. <laughs> yeah, it, well, there are parts of it that are like that, like not a joke. Like when he's running through the studio with like the fireman's helmet on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a that was a fucking step too fucking far for me. I think that was like okay, that's a bit. I don't even. even Although I don't even actually whether or not it I, happened is irrelevant to me. Yeah, no, no, because I, I was gonna say like uh. The director specifically had, like, some uh, reservations because he thought that, like, you know, people might not believe how fucking weird some of the shit that actually happened no, I was. No, I totally get that, and, like, we're going to get into that in, in part two a lot, like, about, because part two is kind of going to be a big, truthy episode about, you know, we're going to get into the meat of, you know, because this movie is, is uh, has... Well, this is based on a true story you know you gotta have truth exactly so that's gonna be a big part of next week um but yeah i would I yeah gonna, no i think this movie could almost like if it wasn't uh an, a true story it might almost be better <laughs> yeah honestly actually yeah um but yeah no like i think this movie tries some interesting things and you know it it just kind of falls short of what I would have hoped it would be, you know what I mean? Yeah. I or don't what mean, it seems like it's trying to be. I think, and I think there's also a few moments where uh, the performances fall short. Yeah. Uh, like, and the other... Like, the two leads thing are I great. Would, yeah. Um, well, the two Brian Wilsons are great. Elizabeth Banks is like, I'd say 75% of the time works for me. Yeah. A lot of the time, she kind of, I find, kind of, I don't know, I find she, she overdoes it a bit. I find her a bit of an in, overactor. In general or in this film? In this film. Okay. 
Uh, I just did. Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't, know, I thought buy, I don't right. buy it. Um, I don't buy it some of the time. It's just, you know. I think, like, my biggest irking with the performances was just some of the people, like, some of the kind of background people just delivering dialogue that doesn't sound like a real person would deliver it. And they're supposed to be, like, you know, historical figures. Like, uh, oh, yeah, well, that's your <laughs> like when they go through the wrecking thing. crew and, like. I hated that so much. Oh, that was so bad. It's that like, filled me with, like, yeah. I, a snobby <laughs> rage, you know, because it is snobby rage. It is because it's like, what well, is snobby? Yeah, it's, it's like because we're douchebags who know about all this and we know who all these people are and we've, you know, yeah. we've read all of those people's Wikipedia pages in that studio. Exactly. So it's like, it's like, yeah. When he says, when he says to Carol, uh, Carol Kane or whatever King or whatever name I forget what. No, what is Carol. Name? Um, what is, Carol Kane. Carol Kay. King is a different person. Yeah, she's a, a, a who was actual, probably involved with. These other people. The wrecking crew, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but But when unrelated. he says to well, her, nice shades, that part, honestly, it's like that... Oh, that was the worst line in the world for me. I mean, if you don't know who Carol Kay is and who the wrecking crew is, like, you're not going to realize how annoying that is. Exactly, but... and I mean, but that's what I'm saying, is this is only annoying <laughs> yeah. if you're snobs like us. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. It's like, if you're just watching the movie for a good time and you're not a douchebag, then, like... That sort of thing. Yeah. Might Although not the thing you. about this movie is, like, I feel like if you don't, you know, know no. or like anything about the Beach Boys, <laughs> then you're why not do you gonna care? like it. Yeah. Then <laughs> why, why do you, you give a shit? Why are you watching this movie anyway? So yeah, it's true. It's kind of this weird mixture. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I th- so that's what I think. Yeah, I think you're right. Is it it it, it rides? It does both things at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like. Yeah, uh, the fucking shitty biopic is, and I mean, there's like some great, there's a great, some great moments in there from John Cusack, you know? Yeah, no, um, but like, here's the point I'm making: all of the scenes set in the '60s are bad. I wouldn't say they're bad. I'd say some of them were were well done, and some of them were enjoyable. I just from a from a a lot of them were really bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, once again. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how, like, I'm trying to think, like, how many people actually watch this movie who don't already know this kind of shit? Yeah, I'm just trying to think. Any Everyone I know who watches, who's seen this movie is like, yeah. <laughs> kind of a music person. Um, it's like, what what brings you to this movie? It's like, okay, I don't know who Brian Wilson is. I probably know, I've probably heard of the Beach Boys, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know about the history of Pet Sounds, I don't know who the Wrecking Crew is, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know who Phil Spector is. I don't know who Phil Spector is, why the fuck are you watching this movie? Like, oh my god, he got What attracts you to this movie if you don't know any of that? Yeah, good point. I mean, yeah. (laughs) Which is a favor, like, a point against this movie. Yeah, totally. (laughs) it's not accessible at all. Yeah. Um, like that. Yeah. I think you make a good point. I think the eighties story is, is it's the better story. And the story that like is it's cause the thing is the people who are watching the bits in the 1960s, like we already know that shit. We know what, like we already know that story, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, a, that's not that it's been told. Well, it's been told on, as we'll discuss, in other ways, not in film form. Well, in film form, not good film form, but yeah. Uh, 
but I mean, the part that is set in the 80s is actually, like, the story that is more interesting, in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's the, the lesser and it's the told story. That's story. Been, it's, yeah, it, well, it's been less mythologized, I would say. Exactly. And it adds it's it's it adds depth to uh yeah it it adds a depth that the first story doesn't add to the uh, character of Brian Wilson, you know exactly everybody already knows that first Brian Wilson. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and oh, just don't even get me started on like the scenes where like where they write good vibrations. Oh, that pissed me off. That's so annoying. I fucking hate he, those. Well, he was just playing the same shitty fucking dur 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 dur. Like yeah, I know. I could write that shit. He's playing that's, the same. That's definitely not how it went down. Like I think part of some of it was 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 okay. Like from in my opinion, uh, other than that specific part, I I did not enjoy. I found that like him walking up. I I appreciated what it was supposed hey, to I be. Hey, I think you got something there, man. It's like, dude, he's just playing three chord fucking. But also, it's like, yeah, it was really. Like, like this was, dramatic, <laughs> they wrote it down. And I was also just like way like I didn't even care about that. Like I just uh, like sure dramatize it like whatever, it's a movie. Like, uh, but make hit what he's playing sound better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I and, mean, who knows? Maybe that's what he was playing. Maybe that's how it went down. Who the fuck knows? I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, so if if all y'all are, are wondering, uh, this uh, we're, I mean we're talking about the scene where they. He's sitting down on the piano and they write good vibrations. Maybe we should play the song. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I, I love the colorful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair I hear the sound of a gentle On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air Anyway, I'm not going to play the whole song, but, like, you get the picture. Like, technically, those are the chords to... Sorry? No, go ahead. What, what? Technically, those are the chords to the song. Oh, obviously, but yeah. I just mean like, that's the least interesting part of the song. Yeah, <laughs> I would have liked him to start singing over it. You know? Yeah, exactly. Just sing a melody like, over it. Don't just stand there and be like, "I think you're onto something." I know. <laughs> anyway, what is it? What well, is I that? mean, who knows? Maybe Mike Love said something that dumb. <laughs> I I believe it. <laughs> but yeah, all right. So let's 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 uh, let's, let's move on from our opinion and let's get into facts. Uh, yeah, basic yeah. facts. All right. Um, the director, uh, Bill Pollard. Pollard. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar with 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 him. I know he's not done a lot of directing. He he's mainly no. been a producer, it seems. Yeah, only he's he's primarily a producer we'll talk about him a little bit more when we talk about the production just obviously because he's important but yeah Mm -hmm. um mostly a producer throughout the did a lot of producing in the in the 2000s early 2010s kind of slowed down more recently but yeah Mm -hmm. 
probably because he's made all his money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the screen, you got screenplay. You've got two writers. It's Oren Moverman who uh, 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 did the uh, the uh, that fucking Bob Dylan thing. We'll talk about that a bit more a little bit later on when he comes into the story. Um, and then Michael Allen. It's it's is it Lene? I think he he's French, so I think it might be Lene. Lene, uh, maybe. Or it could be Lerner. I don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. Anyway, he won't come up really again. So. Okay, well that's it. <laughs> well, he will one more time. Yeah. So uh, uh, as you as we mentioned, you got John Cusack as uh, Brian Wilson. You got Paul Dano. As, uh, and also as Brian Wilson. As Brian Wilson. <laughs> you got Brian Wilson. As Brian as, Wilson. As Brian Wilson. Um, you've got Elizabeth Very Banks. Very briefly, but Very yeah. briefly, yeah. Uh, Elizabeth Banks, as I've already forgotten her name, Ledbetter. Uh, Melinda Ledbetter. I keep wanting Melinda to say Ledbetter. Meredith. Melinda Ledbetter. Um, yeah. He literally says it a million times in this movie. I know. I, well, Ledbetter sticks with me. I don't remember the first half of things. It's in one year and out of the other. If you say two words to me, I'm only going to remember the second one. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, also, Paul Giamatti, uh, yeah. who plays his insane psychiatrist. And he does a great job. He's quite... Uh, oh, fantastic. Quite unhinged. Yeah. He's a... Uh, there's a reason he's, uh, he's, he's respected, I guess, as an actor. <laughs> what are you implying that you don't? No, I wasn't implying that at all. Did it sound okay, like... it just sounded like, oh, you know, I guess there's a reason why. No, I was just saying it. that because I don't actually have like that strong of a, an opinion. I just know that he's, you know, people oh, okay, think he's yeah. a great actor. Well, I mean, he's great in those. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. Yeah. So he's he is a great actor. Uh, yeah. Uh, so like, how did this movie? Actually, before we get into the production, the production. Yeah. Uh, did you notice anything different with my sound? Yeah, I did. I've, I've. Before we started recording, I mentioned a few things that you sounded kind of weird and different, but. Yeah. Well, I'm using a different mic today. Wow. A mic that appears in this film. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> Which mic are you using? Uh, I actually, so this is a very early scene in the film. It's basically them playing, uh, sort of, I think it's, it's basically in the intro sequence, them playing in front of some audience and it's an Electra voice 664, which is a very old mic from the 1950s and 60s. Is that the kind of big, like, it's the big silver one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you can see it uh, very early in the very early scenes of this movie that that they're all singing into to one of these. You love you love pulling out that microphone when it's in stuff. Yeah, because it's in a lot of shit. You know? <laughs> yeah, it is. But that's that's why I sound different. I just thought it would be uh, worth doing that today <laughs> for that's, this episode. That's great. That's a great little uh, engineering Easter egg. Not you don't often see a lot of those. No, I mean. I mean, you wouldn't notice unless I told you. No. <laughs> I mean, you might notice something is different, but you wouldn't know that it's this particular yeah. microphone. I don't think anybody yeah. has the audiophile ability to, to... I don't know. Maybe. I think some, certain people there, could maybe There might discern, be, like, a couple people. Could discern between several, for sure. 
But like no, some people are real big nerds. Yeah, of course. I think people could discern between <laughs> several, but I don't know that any, like, people. What? Well, maybe there's ones that have specific sounds. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'll stop speculating, and we can move on. Um, I mean, it certainly sounds a little bit different than my other microphone. It I'll sounds tell you different. That. It sounds different, and I and I noticed yeah. that it was different. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, anyway, that's enough on that. But fun fact. Oh yeah. Uh, also, the budget. We didn't mention the budget in our basic. Facts. Oh right, yeah, yeah. So ten million dollar budget. Um, pretty, yeah. pretty. Uh, you know, pretty on small. the on the lower side. You know what I mean. Smaller than I would have ex- expected, to be honest. Well, maybe the uh, the studio did think this movie would do very well because it had a very small audience. Because it's so <laughs> it fucking niche. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Um. But yeah, only and ten. I mean, I think they were right not to give it much more money because, you know, when it comes to the box office, it, you know, had they spent much more, I don't think that it would have made much at all. Yeah. Well, so, so I think they spent the right amount of money on it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it was just about right. Yeah. Because the box yeah. office was 28.6, which is 28.6 yeah, million. Which, which is uh, good for 10 million. Absolutely respectful. But for 15 for million, million, you know, um, 20 million, no. Yeah, if you'd spent twenty million on this, it's not a great. Not exactly. Great. Um, so yeah, uh, where were we at? Yeah. So what? How did they? How did they decide that this was going to be the movie that they were going to make? That's surprisingly long story. Um, I mean, not really, I guess, because it's not like th- this. It's not necessarily the story of this specific film. Um, yeah. But apparently there was supposed to be a biopic made about Brian Wilson. Brian Wilson? Yeah, yeah. in the late 80s. Uh, also okay. called Love and Mercy, but Love and Mercy, if you don't know... Well, I'm is... glad they didn't make it then, because that would have left out a hell of a lot. Yeah, well, I think this... That would have left out half of the events of this film. Yeah, when does this? Does the second half of this movie take place? Well, it it's kind of I think a little bit ambiguous because I think it basically ends in like 1990. Yeah, because I think it's supposed to be the the late 80s. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they don't actually give specific dates. I think no for that section. Yeah, like for the first part, like you can pin it down to like actual the the actual year. Yeah, just because of <laughs> yeah pet sounds and shit. It's 1966, clearly. <laughs> like yeah. Um, but yeah, they were supposed to, they were going to make a movie in 1998, also titled Love and Mercy, because it's the name of a Beach Boys song. No, it's not the name of a Beach Boys song. It's the name of a Brian Wilson song. Look at that. Love and Mercy is a song by American musician Brian Wilson, the opening track from his 1998, sorry, 1988 album, Brian Wilson. So there you go. So it was, uh, uh, it's a Brian Wilson song. Yeah. So that yeah, they were gonna. T- that's that's what the the where it comes from. Uh, this was this 1998 or 1988. 1988. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was supposed to star William Hurt and uh, as Brian Wilson, and Richard okay. Dreyfuss as as Landy, uh, but it never came to be. Um, just kind of died in production hell, which, as you say, is probably for the best because. Yeah, because like I don't think that's the right time to make a movie about his life when clearly yeah. some important shit happened after that, right? Yeah, uh, I think it probably just would have been some shitty, you know. Yeah, exactly. Run of the mill, whatever. Yeah. What have you? So, in 1990, 
uh, uh, our good friend Bill Pollard directs, writes, and produces his first film called Old Explorers, which is, I don't know, some independent film. I'm not seeing it. I have no idea. Maybe it's not independent. I'm not even going to say that. I know nothing about this film besides the fact that it was directed, uh, written, and produced by Bill Pollard. And he did not direct another film until this one. Wow. Which is interesting. Um, according to the LA Times... Starring Jose Ferrer. That must have been one of his last movies. Oh, really? Interesting. According to the LA Times, uh, Bill Pollard is known as a, quote, high net worth financier. Oh. So I guess he was rich at this... I, yeah. I, I don't know if he was rich at this point, you know, when he made his first film, but... Mm-hmm. I, he, he got pretty... He pretty quickly without doing anything else, got into producing high, you know... Uh, High-budget films. High-budget films, so... Can we can we look at uh, some of his, uh, you know, some of his productions here? Okay, uh, Brokeback Mountain. Yeah, he did Brokeback like Mountain. Seems like his first big, big movie. Into the Wild. Food, Inc. Uh... Twelve Years a Slave, yeah, you know, bunch of movies, big movies. So yeah, in nineteen ninety seven, there was a super deluxe release of Pet Sounds, um, that kind of included a whole bunch of never before released stuff, like behind the scenes stuff. Um, some of which I think actually is on this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, 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 I don't know when, because this is what I was going to say. The timeline here is a bit fuzzy. Um, but over the next two, next 15 years, uh, uh, Bill becomes a successful producer, and he becomes obsessed with the 1997 reissue of, of Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds, right. And decides to make it into a film. Okay, so, so this is like some CD release with like a bunch of bonus tracks and shit. Yeah, tons of bonus content. Yeah. So yeah, so he's decided to make this film, but he doesn't exactly like uh, um, have like you know you know a, a concise idea. What be- this is kind of weird here because the the writer Mike and Al writer sorry Michael Allen Lerner or Lene. Um, he's credited, but he isn't really mentioned very much, uh, in the, uh, in the, like, description of this movie. And then also there's kind of, like, uh, when they talk about the first copy of the script, they don't actually, like, mention, in any of the articles I was writing, they don't mention who wrote it. Right. So, at first I thought... Uh, Bill Pollard, or Pollard, wrote it himself. Um, but now I think it might be Michael Allen, uh, Lene or Lerner, or whatever, who uh, who did just, the first. Just decide draft. on a way to say it and stick to it. Well, no, I, I'm, I choose not to. I'm giving them both. I'm not going to say it again. So that's it. That's it anyway. Um, oh, okay. So anyway, there's kind of this first version of the script that is not quite up to snuff 
From the beginning, though, apparently Bill Paul had said he had, quote, no intention of making a biopic. Uh, he said to Rolling Stone in 2011. Do you want to read this quote? Uh, yeah. So, like, as he was saying, he had no intention of making a biopic, and he told Rolling Stone, What's fascinating to me is to look at the different elements in his life, like that super creative period when he was doing Pet Sounds and the later part when he was redeemed. So there you go. He's, he's, he knows what he's doing there. Um, I mean, he, he thinks he knows. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, he certainly believes he knows what he's doing. Anyway, he's got a plan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got a plan. And he hires a, a Oren Moverman. Or Moverman? <laughs> okay. Just say Moverman. Um, so he hires Oren Moverman t- to do uh, a, a rewrite of the script. And, uh, 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 you know, this is kind of when the movie really gets going. Um, as I kind of mentioned earlier, Oren Moverman was the guy who did that Bob Dylan film. 2007 or something. Which which Bob Dylan movie is this? Sorry, I'm not as deep into the like Bob Dylan like movie verse as you are. What's it called? It's called like Can't Get Out or Inside the Um It's not Don't Look Back uh I'm Not There, that's what it's called. Okay. It's to that yeah. Oh, that's this movie. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> Yeah. They've, so they've got like nine people playing Bob Dylan. Yeah, very strange. <laughs> Didn't love it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, they hire him. I think oh, there was a great quote. I, I forget what exactly what he said, but uh, Paul had said something about like him. He was like, oh, he was super close with that film, but he didn't quite get it. <laughs> he didn't quite get it done? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he wrote and directed that weird film. And I guess Paul had said that he, uh, it was it, he was the guy he 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 wanted. Okay, so Paul had said it's 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 about creative genius versus madness, and it's also a story of how this woman pulled Brian Wilson out of a deep hole. So you think Brian Wilson's a genius? I mean, yeah, I'll say that. Yeah, but there's another aspect about this quote that we might get more into in the truth. <laughs> About the woman pulling Brian Wilson out of a deep hole? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I'm not going to, like, contest that point, but just I just hold, do want hold, to make just, the point just that... Just hold, hold, please. Yeah, okay. We'll get more into that in this episode, but... This movie has an a- has a certain angle. We'll get into more we'll, of that in, in this episode, and then we'll really get into it next episode. But yeah, hold, hold, please. Um, <laughs> okay, I will hold. So yeah, the apparently the original intention was to have Moverman be the director... Okay, so why why did they decide that that he wouldn't do that and that Pollard would do it? Did Pollard just basically be like, ah, no, fuck it, I'm gonna do it myself? Uh, I, the other way around. I think, as we have seen in the past, I think uh, originally Moverman was like, yeah, I'll direct it, and then they started working mm. on it, and he saw how close Pollard was to the was to the project. Right. And he was like, maybe you should. And he's like, no, you do it. Yeah. Clearly, yeah, this okay. is your baby. You should do it. So, right. so he did, and he directed his second film ever. And mm-hmm. maybe he shouldn't have. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> also, I did forget to mention this earlier, um, but I, it was something that I wanted to mention. Is uh, I did I watched this movie very loudly with headphones on, which 
uh, I think definitely uh, changes the experience a bit because I think the sound editing is really good in this movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just watched it on my TV and then with my, like, you know, big speakers. So, I mean, it'd definitely probably be a different experience to do it with headphones on. Yeah, I, I just particularly I found the sequences where he uh, 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 where it was, like... Um, kind of descending into madness, I'll say, which isn't a good term because it's a tr- it's a true story. <laughs> so it's a kind yeah. of an insensitive term, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. Another reason why maybe this movie would have better been better served if the story wasn't true. Exactly. <laughs> you could have just explored things a bit better. And yeah. Anyway, his that when he has his episodes. The, the sound editing in those because the whole point is because he's such an odd like Brian Wilson it's all about music and sound and, and stuff yeah uh, it's so mm-hmm. the the auditory aspect of those episodes is super important and it is it's right. mixed in, I mean, incredibly I, well like there was that whole bit with the plates and the sound of the forks on the plates yeah and that was super noticeable yeah I, that was super noticeable um but like that basically every single there were it was all it was all yeah. really well tied together um right but yeah what was i talking about before that um yeah mood the director switching focus <laughs> so at this point in the project apparently they were considering focusing on three parts of Oh, really? What was the other part? Like the 1970s? Well, I guess, yeah, it was supposed to, it was going to be him in bed. So it was supposed to be like a past, present, future type thing. Right. And so what, him in like the 70s is like, or early 80s, I guess it would be? Him in bed? I don't know when he, when that whole thing was supposed to be. I think it was the early 70s. Right. But we'll get into it next week. Because that whole section in the seventies where he got like really fat and then like you know did some wild shit, yeah, and then had to go get detoxed, um, which is famously lampooned in Walker. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll talk about it next week. <laughs> um, yeah. So apparently, Philip Seymour Hoffman was considered. Oh yeah. To play Brian Wilson, I could actually see that. I could see that absolutely. Yeah, he's... I, I like. I think he looks a bit like Brian Wilson, like the later Brian Wilson. Yeah, and he's obviously a a tour de force. Yeah. So, but instead, they went with a a tour de force. Indeed, uh, another tour de force. Uh, John fucking Cusack, underrated actor of our generation. Abs- not of our generation, but yes. Well, yeah, you of know, a generation. Of a generation, yeah, is absolutely <laughs> underrated, beloved actor of the podcast. Um, yeah, exactly. One of our favorites. He truly is fantastic, as is Joan Cusack. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but for you know, for the longest time, I didn't know they were related. Did you think they just had the same name, or did you not? I thought, yeah, because that happens all the fucking time in Hollywood. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. There is a talented family. But no, yeah. Yeah, talented family. <laughs> um, who are their parents? I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Um, probably some other Cusacks. <laughs> <laughs> probably a couple of other Cusacks. That sounds like a a, a, um, a slur for like 
I don't know, some sort of Eastern European. Like Polak, but like, you know. Yeah, guys, a couple of Cusacks. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah, um, anyway, um, where are we at? Um, so, yeah, they hire, they get John Cusack in, and John Cusack's a fucking professional who does things right and well uh, because he's a fantastic actor. So he had he had some a good quote about uh, uh, about uh, Brian Wilson's kind of weird demeanor because he was being interviewed, and I think the interviewer asked him said something about how he he brought kind of like this. So the interviewer was interviewing uh, John Cusack. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, not Brian Wilson. Not Brian Wilson, no. Right. Okay. But yeah, I mean, uh, Cusack had this to say about uh, the about Brian Wilson's strange demeanor because he was playing like you know Brian during like the strangest part, I guess, of his life. Yeah, during a con- um, yeah, yeah. So he said the broadband is not slow, but I think sometimes with geniuses, it's hard to avoid these obsessive tendencies. They can't get the song out of their heads. I think that's a good kind of a good observation yeah um yeah. and i think the point the, the the first thing that he says the broadband is not slow is a good point like he's not he's not an idiot in that yeah he's still you brian know. wilson he's a fucking you know genius musical genius but mm-hmm. yeah and they do play at that kind of kid in a man's body when they do that weird kind of like thing at the end i don't know so much about that what well there's that uh, there's the whole kind of running thing where he's like, uh, he, uh, there's like a first reference to him being a kid, and then the second one is 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 Landy saying he's just a kid in a man's body, and then at the end. Well, I mean, we, we're not supposed to trust anything that Landy says. Though. I know, I know, but then at the end they have like, uh, like, the three versions of him. It's like him in the bed, looking at him as a young man, looking back at him in the bed as a kid. Oh, you mean the scene that they took from 2001? Exactly. <laughs> exactly, that exact scene. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I wouldn't read too much into that. <laughs> you wouldn't read t- too much into that? Yeah. I feel like you're supposed to try and read into that. I feel like that's the whole point of that part. <laughs> no, that's the trick. All oh, right. They, that's how they make you think they made a good movie? Exactly. <laughs> Let's do something. That's how fucking. Let's go back to Bob Dylan. That's how Bob Dylan did it. Fucking make something confusing so that they think that you did something good. <laughs> he also did. Uh, I, I'm always thinking of like you know that that scene in Walk Hard again, uh, <laughs> where where he's singing the song. The lamp shades in the shadow of the Coliseum. <laughs> and he's like, no. And then uh, was it was it the drummer? He's like, no, man, this song is very yeah, deep. Yeah, well, the, 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 the guitar or the piano player is like, what are we doing here? This song doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> this song is very deep. I know. <laughs> God, that movie is a fucking work of art. Yeah, well, maybe one day we'll talk about that yeah. movie, but back to this film. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, like... This movie made me think of that movie a lot, especially because that movie very explicitly references Brian Wilson. Yeah, and that movie that movie is just the perfect biopic like satire. Exactly. So like I mean and that's every time I see like a biopic and it does the things that like Walkhart is making fun of, I'm like, Did you not see Walkhart? Yeah, Hart? exactly. 
Especially, I mean, when, this movie does that. Especially you know when what I mean? Made it's after like... Walk Hard. <laughs> no, I know exactly. Like this movie. Like this movie. Like, did you not <laughs> see Walk Fucking Hard? Hey, Carol, nice shades. <laughs> we are the Beatles. <laughs> you know, it's the same it's shit. Literally, the exact same fucking <laughs> shit. God, that movie is perfect. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> according to the L.A. Times. Pullad and Cusack, they'd said those two, but I think also the other actor whose name keeps escaping me. Paul Dano? Paul Dano. Um, uh, I think he interacted with uh, Brian Wilson as well. Um, mm. But apparently they had like limited interaction with him, but they mostly interacted with Ledbetter, who, according to the LA Times, quote, handles many of his interactions. Um, yeah. <laughs> I kind of alluded to this before. Yeah. That this movie might have had one source. Yeah. Yeah. And um, even, I think on the Wikipedia page, the guy, what is his name? Van Dyke? Um, uh, Van Dyke Parks? Yeah, Van Dyke Parks. He was in it for like 10 seconds. Like, he was like, his name is not actually mentioned in the movie. I only know who he is because I know who he is. Yeah, exactly. His, uh,. <laughs> He um he said, because he was asked about the movie and he because he didn't like contribute to it. Yeah, and he said something about yeah Mrs. Wilson's movie. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, something like that. Um, so she she was definitely the uh, the point of contact on this film, and I'm mm-hmm. not making any judgments about anything. No, I'm not accusing her of anything i'm just saying i don't i don't think that this movie necessarily had many other viewpoints yeah i mean you know take I mean? it to with a grain of salt and next week we'll fucking find the goddamn motherfucking t-r-u-t <laughs> yeah th- actually that was one thing else i noticed about this movie is that like uh some of the way that she behaved in the film made very little sense to me <laughs> Go on. Like, especially her first meeting with Brian. Yeah, go on. How, like, you know, she how she reacts to that and is not just like, you know, oh, this is really weird. This is a weird guy, you know? Well, she has <laughs> some unconventional reactions, I think. Yeah. Yeah. She's you know? she's a character that's a bit difficult to She doesn't to react like I would expect a normal human to react in a situation like that. No, never. But, I mean, I guess that could be why it's an interesting story, you know? She's the only one. Yeah, she's the person who, you know, didn't just go about her day. And again, I don't know. We'll get into it next week. We're going to find yeah. what, what's going mm-hmm. on. But, yeah, who knows? So, yeah, but Brian said specifically that he didn't have much to do with the film. He said, I had no involvement with this film, but my wife did. She made sure they cast the characters right, you know, so that they could capture my personality and the records and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brian had some, some very positive things to say about Brian this film. Brian seems like he's always had good things to say when people talk to him. Well, I mean, I don't know. I've heard that, like, sometimes in interviews and stuff like that, he can just be just impossible to interview. <laughs> oh, really? And, like... Like Bob Dylan, you know what I mean? Oh, right. Well, you know. <laughs> but the question is, is it as per- on purpose as Bob Dylan? I don't know. I don't know. Because well, with Bob Dylan, you know, it's 100% intentional. 
actually, I have a, a quote here uh, from a journalist talking about uh, Brian Wilson. Okay. Theoden Janes from the Charlotte Observer said uh, about Brian Wilson, uh, he's faring well enough to write a book and to headline a hugely ambitious concert tour, so presumably he's capable of telling people who work for him that he's not up for interviews if he isn't. What? Sorry, read that again. I, I... So he's... Uh, He's still faring well enough to write a book and to headline a hugely ambitious concert tour. This is in 2017. Yeah. So presumably he's capable of telling the people who work for him that he's not up for interviews if he isn't. Oh, I see. <laughs> so- Basically that he was giving an interview and he was just being impossible and that he probably shouldn't have booked the interview. He was just saying yeah, he should have just told them to not book an interview. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Well, who knows? Maybe it wasn't his decision. Yeah, who knows? PR people can be pushy. Yeah. Uh, psychotherapists can be pushy. Yeah, well, as we know from this one. Exactly. <laughs> what were you going to say? Uh, about his crazy psychotherapist? Or... Yeah, specifically. Good good segue, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, to cast Landy, they, we, as we mentioned, Paul Giamatti. Um, who has a, a great quote about <laughs> Dr. Landy, if you want to read it. It's great. Yeah, he says, uh, I play Dr. Landy, the crazy psychotherapist. It's a great character. Brian Wilson had a severe freakout, and his family got in touch with a psychotherapist out in L.A. named Eugene Landy, who took over. That's where most of the story comes from. Because the doctor was basically insane. He made Brian play in a sandbox. I mean, crazy stuff. He'd just keep talking and talking in these completely huge paragraphs. They were brilliant sounding, but if you dug into them, they didn't make much sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think he and he got a good read of the fact that that's where most of the story comes from. Yeah, it's it's basically like, you know, Brian's kind of being manipulated this entire time, and it's it's kind of, it's kind of about you know him trying to this the. The meat of the movie is him basically uh, trying to get out of that with some help. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is uh, that is that part of the production or production. I keep calling it production. I don't know why mm-hmm. I keep doing that, but that's uh, that's what we're getting. That's the pre preamble. Uh, you wanna you wanna talk a little about how they shot it? So, this film was shot by uh, by the very great cinematographer, Robert Yeoman. Very great. You may know. Sorry? Very, oh, I was going to say, I was going to say very great. You can't just say that. You have to tell me. Well, I'm about to get yeah, to okay, it. Yeah, tell me. Uh, he's done such such films as uh, The Grand Budapest Hotel. I, I do enjoy that movie. Uh, quite a bit of workout for a cinematographer as well. Yeah. Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, another Wes Anderson movie. The French Dispatch, another uh, Wes Anderson movie, and uh, Drugstore Cowboy. Drugstore Cowboy. Not a Wes Anderson not movie. A Wes Anderson movie. And also the uh, the classic cult film, The Wizard. <laughs> so series worked on every Wes Anderson film. Sorry. So series worked on every live. Action oh, has he worked on ev- all of them? Yeah. No, he's. I, I I figured he worked on most of them. I didn't know it was literally all of them though. 
Yeah. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So, as we are, as we often do, I ask you, when it is a movie of this era, was it shot on film or digital? Hmm. What do you think? Interesting question. So, they definitely did the fake film uh, effects for a lot of it because they were trying to recreate some film footage. I'm going to say it was film. You're going to say it was film? Yes. Indeed it was film. Nice. Actually, when I was watching it, It I saw the film grain and I was like, oh, this is definitely not film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? Right? (laughs) Because, I mean, like... You gotta at first be like... "Mm." Well, because it looked too distressed, you know? Yeah. To be actually... Because, I mean, clearly that effect was fake because, like, if you've ever actually, like, shot a roll of film, it doesn't, like, it doesn't look like that classic, you know, lo-fi film look. You know, film actually looks very clean and nice, like, you know. Yeah, well, it, it's kind those, of a, a lot of those, especially the, in the beginning of the film, a lot of those, like, kind of uh, uh, um, fake home movie things were recreated yeah, exactly. from real ones. Yeah, exactly. So they're like, um, so they like kind of tried to make it look like those ones. Yeah, which I guess so might have been damaged what, or something. I don't know. Anyway, go on. Yeah, I don't know, but anyway, they're old. It didn't look very convincing to me. Like it was actually old film. It looked like an effect that you put on in fucking I Adobe movie. Premiere or whatever to make yeah, it yeah, look yeah. like. It didn't look. It wasn't. <laughs> you know. not... And I mean, for all I know, that's exactly what they did. Uh, <laughs> even on top of the film that they actually used. Yeah. So they used a combination of 16 millimeter and 35 millimeter film. A combination. So. Uh, so. Yeah. So um, specifically, they wanted to have like every time it's inside like one of those because um, they wanted to have like a documentary kind of feel like you were like. You know, watching the Beach Boys actually produce. Well, yeah, of like, course. Those like the the like the the earlier part, the nineteen sixties part, was basically supposed to be a documentary. Like, yeah. Um. So, like specifically, like all the parts in in like studios, and I should mention, uh, when they they filmed this, they actually did. Uh, they filmed it in two old studios. Uh, United West. Sorry. Um. East West Studios in LA and Ocean Way, which are actually both in the same building. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit and more in used, the production. But yeah. used to be uh, something called United Western Recorders, which is actually where they recorded Pet Sounds. Yeah, that's sick. So they literally filmed it in the same spot that they did this thing. That's pretty. Which is I thought was pretty cool. And they brought in these 16 millimeter cameras because I mean like. Generally, if you're filming like a documentary, you're probably going to be using 60 millimeter cameras. So they wanted to make it look like you know, oh, we're in the studio with the Beach Boys, right? Yeah, and it had that look totally. Yeah. So any anytime they were in one of those buildings, it was 60 millimeter. Otherwise, it was 35, and they tried to give it kind of like a feel that like oh, the 1960s look was like, you know, super warm. Yeah, well, it's California. You know. Yeah, and then they tried to give like kind of a blue cold cast to the kind of like 80s like. Uh, look because you know it's like yeah the 80s fucking suck you know i don't know what they were trying to get (laughs) gordon gecko but like um i honestly thought it was a bit gimmicky the like like feeling of it 
Yeah, you know what I mean? Because yeah, it's like tones, exactly yeah. what you fucking expect. I mean, it's actually a little bit similar to what they did in Grand Budapest Hotel, only they did it better than that. Yeah, they did it much better. <laughs> I think it's a bit, it's just, it's a bit heavy-handed in this movie, that's all. I think everything... Yeah, it's like, it's exactly what you expect. It's like, this is my least favorite thing about, like, you know, people using, like, film or whatever. Like, it's like, oh, you know, I'm trying to capture the eight, the feel of the 60s, and in the 60s they used film, so I'm going to shoot my movie on film, oh, yeah, that's, you know? that's just an annoying... It's like, and I just hate that shit. It's like, you know, have some fucking creativity. Yeah, totally. That's not a creative way to do anything, really. <laughs> and I mean, you know, I'm a big fan of film, I love using film, and it's like, but that's not the reason you should be doing it. You know what I mean? No, you do it for because you want to do it. Yeah, I mean, there's various reasons, but you know, it's it it just kind of bothered me that that's well, that's what not they logical. Did. I don't think that that's actually a logical thing because just because you're using yeah. film, it's not going to look like. Well, and then that's what I get to with all the, like the fake film effects. You know it's what like, I mean? Because yeah, you had to use fake film effects anyway. Anyway, we don't know that that's why they they use it or anything. In fact, they... no, I don't actually know for a fact that they were using fake film effects. But I think, I mean, they de- that definitely doesn't happen to film. The no, yeah, no, no. I, I'm sure they were using <laughs> fake film effects for that. I just mean like I don't think they. We don't know that they were. Uh, 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 they that's why they used film in the first place was to have it be. No, but they specifically said like. Because they did use film in the 1980s section as well. The whole thing was shown on film. Yeah, right. But it's just... Yeah, I don't know. But, yeah. I mean, I I think that uh, Robert Yeoman... Like, Robert Yeoman uses film a lot, so, you know. It's just what he wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> but it just kind of bothered me that, you know... They did the most obvious thing with the look of the 60s stuff. Yeah, I didn't... I, I don't like overt uh, color correction like that. If you can notice, yeah. Well, I mean, it depends. Like, if you're doing it for an effect, but it's like, you know, but if it's literally the most obvious thing that you would expect, you know what I mean? I'm not talking about lighting that I like specifically. No, no, but I mean, like, if you want to, like, yeah, fine, fuck your shit up, make it all blue and shit. But it's like, you know, you're literally doing it for the most obvious reason, right? Yeah, which is the thing that bothered me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, if there's a good reason to do it, sure, but yeah, that was not... <laughs> it, it just, it, it screamed like it lacked creativity to me. Yeah. And I'm not blaming Robert Yeoman for this, like, you know. No, I think that's more of a directorial thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that's, I think, I think this movie might have been better if it had, like, a more artur director, you know? Or maybe just a director who, like, you know, had more experience directing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's, there's not much for how they shot it, but that's what I wanted to highlight there. Yeah, that's, a, that's, like, two very important details. Yeah. I think the, uh, holy shit, sorry, I just noticed that, uh, Robert Yeoman worked with, uh, William Friedkin. Oh, yeah, 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 Robert, Robert Yeoman's a, yeah, Oh, yeah, legend. absolute legend. Works with tons of people. Yeah. Um, I mean, he shot the fucking wizard, man. <laughs> he shot the fucking wizard. You know, his his, his piece de resistance, the wizard. His opus, his magnum opus. <laughs> his opus, the wizard. <laughs> <laughs> the wizard starring Fred Savage, which maybe one day we should do that movie. <laughs> yeah, I would kind of be down, yeah. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, no, that, that's that's it for that section, but I think we have one more thing we got to get to. We got one more fucking awesome segment, the one that the people have been waiting for all week. Everybody's favorite section. 
All right, welcome to Six Degrees of Star Trek, everybody's favorite segment, obviously. Obviously. Uh, this, uh, this is the segment where we find connections between this film and Star Trek, uh, and there are some to talk about here. Um, so this was an interesting one, I think. Oh, yeah? Uh, I did not find any direct connections. Okay, so what makes it interesting? But I had... I had trouble deciding which of the secondary connections to go with. Okay. Okay. Go on. Uh, so I'm gonna. All right. Who we're we gonna start with? We're gonna start with John Cusack because this is this is pretty pretty straightforward. Sick. Uh, so John Cusack. Yeah. Uh, was in a 1997 animated film you might know of called Anastasia. No, I have heard of that film. Dimitri. Uh, also in that film was uh, Christopher Lloyd. Ah, uh, yes. Christopher Lloyd. Who Christopher plays, Lloyd. Yeah, who plays, among many things, um, the villain in Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, <laughs> Commander Krug. Um, yeah, there's uh, two degrees right is there. The, Commander Krug, is he, he's like the big bad in that film? Yeah, he's the villain. He's the Klingon commander. He was like, oh yeah. Yeah, no, no, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's a Klingon. I mean, you probably didn't recognize him in all the Klingon makeup, no, although I, you I, definitely did because Christopher Lloyd is a one of a kind. Yeah, he. I know. <laughs> I knew he was in it. Isn't he also in another episode of Star Trek? Episode? Oh, no, no. Never mind. I might. I think I'm making no, somebody he's else. He's definitely in the Star Trek 3, the film. Yeah, yeah. Alright. So... This is uh this is an interesting one. Okay. So uh let's go through uh, Elizabeth Banks. Okay. So she Melinda was in a uh, 20 lead better. Good, you remember it. Um so this is uh she was in a 2012 film called uh People Like Us. Also in that film was Chris Pine. Now you would think that Chris Pine would be our connection cuz he was in, you know, uh, Star Trek, Abramsverse, all of them. Yeah, and he is indeed a connection. He's a connection, but he's not the connection. I see. I see. No, um, no. We we are instead going to talk about the director, and writer, and producer of this film, uh, who is a somewhat controversial figure in the Star Trek. Uh, you know canon i guess alex kurtzman okay why is he controversial well i mean i mean i'm not sure everybody thinks he's controversial well, i mean that's i guess the definition of contra- controversy yeah exactly so <laughs> are which side of the con- i'm conflicted about him i mean ultimately you know he helped bring star trek back Right. But I think that Star Trek would be better without him. <laughs> Interesting. So he brought he 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 uh wrote uh Star Trek uh the Abrams film uh and Star Star Trek Into Darkness, also the Abrams film. Right. And he has he became the showrunner of Discovery and then some of the spin-offs of that. Uh but uh to give you an idea of like, you know, the kind of quality that we expect from Alex Kurtzman. Are you going to say what he wrote in 2017? Sorry? Are you going to describe <laughs> that? The... That's one of them. But let's 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 build up to that. Okay. Okay, let's start with Transformers. <laughs> you know, a very well-written movie, right? Oh, yeah. Classic Shia LaBeouf film. 
Yeah. Um, the Amazing Spider-Man 2. Not Spider-Man 2. That's a great movie. <laughs> the Amazing Spider-Man 2. The one with Andrew Garfield in it. The one that, like, killed that franchise. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Um, that specific incarnation of that franchise. Yeah. Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh, you know, it just keeps getting better and better. It does keep getting better and better. Ramping up. Yeah. Uh <laughs> And let's 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 top it off. <laughs> top it off with his 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 magnum opus. <laughs> 2017's The Mummy. <laughs> oh no. Oh god. <laughs> Who he which he directed and produced oh, and Worked on the story. Oh, so we know what side of the controversy this podcast falls on, then. <laughs> yeah, as 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 we are very committed to the 1999 mummy being, you know, the uh, <laughs> the definitive mummy. The definitive mummy. So we're this is an officially an anti Alex Kurtzman podcast. And you know, so Alex Kurtzman was kind of like the showrunner for Star Trek Discovery, and I think he kind of still is, but. I noticed that once he's once all the like sort of spin-offs of Star Trek Discovery kind of became a thing and Alex Kurtzman kind of was diluted with his time to do these other things, the Star Trek Discovery got noticeably better. Right. So as soon as he like wasn't <laughs> micromanaging it basically. Yeah, I think that's my feeling. That's your feeling. But we not don't everyone know. would agree with that. I don't know if everybody would agree well, with that. Well he's invited on the show to defend himself. Yeah, he's invited on the show to defend himself. But I mean, you know, this guy is a guy that consistently works with J.J. Abrams. <laughs> <laughs> and we all know where I stand on that. Yeah, the, the murderer. Actual murderer, J.J. Yeah, this, J. J. this man condones According to murder. Jake, that's a Jake quote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Alex Kurtzman, you know, I don't know. A- accomplice um, to murder. <laughs> accomplice to murder. <laughs> <laughs> Right. But I mean, then again, would there be Star Trek without him? I would Star Trek exist like would there be a currently uh, existing incarnation of Star Trek without him? I don't know. That the Beach Boys used one of Charles Manson's songs. Did they actually? Yeah. Like one that he wrote. Yeah. I'm not done with Star Trek yet, but yeah. <laughs> no, that was this. That was a similar thing, you know. Oh, oh! You're saying that you know the Beach Boys are therefore you know connected, uh, connected to Charles Manson. It was a weak because it was a weak analogy. But go on. Uh, I don't really know. is Alex wait, Kurtzman actually, Manson that, in that? No analogy. Okay, actually, that's it. That's three connections. Actually, uh, I think there are probably more, but I mean there are more, but uh, I think three is enough. Is that now, three? Because let's let's talk about let's talk about JJ Abrams. No. <laughs> What? Why? <laughs> Sorry, because we're well. I mean, not directly, but JJ, you were asking me this question about Charles Manson. Well, no, I was just gonna ask if JJ uh... Abrams is clearly Charles Manson in the scenario. Oh, okay, right, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, I love you. Just a, you abandon the tracks so that to bash Abrams. <laughs> it's totally like. <laughs> no. I mean, that's actually. Oh, that it. is that actually really is it. That, actually, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was three connections right there because we got Chris Pine. We got Christopher Lloyd, and we got right. Alex Kurtzman. Two Chris's and... Two Chris's and an accomplice know. to murder. <laughs> and an accomplice to murder. <laughs> By the way, I, I, I think Chris Pine was was was, was pretty good. It, it's he thought he was a fine Kirk. 
fine, fine Kirk. Kirk. I, you know, I mean, nobody's Shatner, but you know, he did a fine job. I agree. Job. He he was not the problem. <laughs> um, exactly. But yeah, so we've gone way. We're talking about the beach, a Beach Boys film, a film about Brian Wilson. About the Beach Boys. About it's not Brian about Wilson. the Beach Boys. That's a fallacy. The Brian. It, well, I mean, the Beach Boys are a very yeah, large. They market. are. That's a. That was me being a pedantic d- dickhead. Really. Wow. I don't know yeah. why it came on so came um, in really hot there. Um. But know. yeah, that's that's kind of the end of this episode. Um. Yeah. So uh, I let me get one sec. I gotta do some. Uh, gotta find some info yeah. here. Well, so next week we're gonna be. We're yeah, gonna yeah, be you, back you, with. Uh, uh, um, we're going to do the production. We're actually going to talk about like kind of the making of the film because there's a lot of, you know, kind of interesting little tidbits and we're going to talk about music. Obviously, I think. Oh yeah. Obviously. I mean, we talked a little bit about it here. I mean, this whole thing is basically, <laughs> I think we're going to talk about it yeah, more. It's all, inter- well. it's all intertwined. <laughs> like it might not even be its own section. Yeah. And then we're finally, we're going to, we're going to be, do the big T and uh, really kind of figure out what's going on here. It's going to be a good episode, I think. I'm excited for it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's next week. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to thank all our Polish listeners for all tuning in. All the Cusacks in. out there. <laughs> okay, I don't know if that's... That's appropriate. <laughs> I don't know if that's okay. That's Is fine. it okay? That okay, sure. good humor. Okay. It wasn't actually offensive, okay. so they, that's totally fine. Sure, yeah. Thank you, Polish listeners, for thank tuning you. in. And I uh, just, uh, just like to, in addition to giving a thank you to our Polish listeners, I'd like to give a big fuck you to uh, <laughs> Mike Love and <laughs> to uh, JJ Abrams. If you should ever leave me, though life would still go on, believe me, the world could show nothing to me. So what good would living do me? God only knows what I'd be without you.